So you like bold red wine most of the time With notes of fig and raisin You like a cold brew and pitching horseshoes As the sun is fading You like football games and dishing out nicknames With Godfathers 1 and 2 But not so fast, we've got a podcast We like that too we like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. Welcome back, Bon Vivants. We are so glad to have you back. And no, we are not in the Bon Vivant International Media Center again, <laughs> which is my basement. We are actually at the Osage Resort and Casino in beautiful. Tulsa, Oklahoma. And once again, Mr. Keith Enlow, the head Bon Vivant, is still down in Gulf Shores, Alabama, which I will explain the irony of that in just We're a few trading minutes. Spaces. We are trading we are trading spaces. We are. And our guest uh host is our musical director, the man, the legend, Mr. Dave Baker. Welcome. Welcome everyone. Yeah. Okay. First of all, let me just say, amazing set today, Mr. Baker. You did a wonderful job, fantastic, awesome, and I think you've had a pretty good day. I, I mean, I, I told you earlier, Brad, like I, I don't want to come home after this. <laughs> it, it's been pretty amazing in, in every aspect of the word. Would you, uh, would you tell the Bobby Vance who came up and played harmonica with you today? Yeah, the Scott Nickerson, the uh, the guy that started – the the whole parrot head organization groups all that kind of stuff we might not be here without him yeah that's right yeah. And, that's and, right. and he came up and said hey if you play a jimmy buffett song in g i'll come up and play harmonica i said yeah i'll play anything in g we'll transpose it if we have at to. that point you looked at me and said uh could you get a picture <laughs> that is amazing and i want to thank the ter- the uh, tulsa parrot head club we're at uh Trock rock river flock I did better there. I practiced yeah. that. That's that's a mouthful. It's a dangerous it, mouthful. It, it's a dangerous <laughs> drop rock river flock. Careful. Okay. Careful. They, <laughs> they've done a great job of putting this together, and we've really, really, oh, really enjoyed. Oh, this has been amazing. It. The the venue itself is is awesome. It, the sound company that they have is amazing. And we have a guest. He is truly <laughs> one of my favorite performers. I've seen him. Probably as long as I have been listening to, to Parrothead music, I am thrilled and I am so, so happy to have Mr. Brent Burns, ladies and gentlemen, Ooh. is with Where, us. Where's the studio audience? Should we, should we be clapping oh, right you, here? Oh, you, oh, you, you want to? Do we have you, canned you, applause? Uh, we have canned uh, applause. Is it, is it, let's, oh, no, wait just a minute. Is it this one? Thank you Come very on. much. Thank you. Come on. Yes, I am. Brent doing Burns. Better. Yes, He's doing better. There we go. All right. Well, it's an honor to be here. Thank you, Brad. Brad. Thanks so much. We're so glad to have you. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that, that I wanted to talk to you, you are the Bon Vivant, dude. You're a wine guy. You travel. You're a musician. You've been in more than one genre in your in your lifetime. I have, and uh, and as we talked about, probably the most picked on. See, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. Why feel, do I, people, I don't feel people pick on your other musicians? I mean, come on, Carwin and those, they pick on you, and it pisses me off. I guess it, I create a target rich environment. I guess just by being present. <laughs> I don't know what it is. You know, I really I, I pick on people unmercifully, though. <laughs> and you know, when you when you when you shovel it in wheelbarrows full. You got to take a teaspoon once in a while yourself, and I, you know, I can laugh at myself because I find me myself. I find me very amusing, actually. I wanted to get to it because yeah. Keith always keeps us on on point. Okay, and that point is. So what's your what's your point? We, what's your point? We start the drinking thing early. Oh, good. Because good. if you don't start early, you can't do it through the whole rest of the show. The honesty is, we started before the show started. We, we Come did. On, let's be we, we, yeah, we Brad. were having a great conversation. Yes. So. I brought in, you said that you like Pinot Noirs. Mm-hmm. And hey, that's our wheelhouse. It's, let it's me, an, let me nice. tell you, we were talking about this one is from California mm-hmm. and it is a Sanford. It is uh, from the company of Sanford Benedict Vineyards in Santa Rita. So, can I see that? It's Santa Rita Hills. Yes. And wait, 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 it's the Sanford and Sons. It does not say Sanford and Sons. 
<laughs> oh, God. I see how this is going to go. All right. <laughs> Wheezy? That's Jefferson. Wheezy? Elizabeth, this is a big one. This is a big one. This is a big Listen, one. Lamont. Lamont, Lamont, you big dummy. Bring me another bottle. Bring me another bottle of peanut oil. But anyway, uh, we digress a lot. Uh, this is the, the Toronto family are the ones that uh, put this together, and this this um, particular vineyard's been around since 1971. So wow. these are pretty old vines. Everybody, take a drink. Let's. Let, I want to hear what you guys think because these have been in your glasses now for a while, and I think from the first sips that we took, this has gotten better and better and better. Just you, you, you're more of a connoisseur than I am. The first thing I noticed about this is the smell was just outstanding. Oh, it's got a great nose on it. Oh boy! No, that's I not what. Not, no, that's what. You know, I am not a wine critic. I am a wine drinker. Okay. Well, if you can tell shame. me whose quote that is, I'll give you the rest of this bottle, Brad. That sounds like something WC feels no. might say. Uh, <laughs> Never no. trust a man who didn't drink. <laughs> Anybody who hates kids and dogs can't be all bad. It was actually that's pretty the close, great man. philosopher Justin Wilson. Do you remember Justin Wilson, mm-hmm. the Cajun cut? I do. Brad, so. would you would you consider this fruit forward? Yeah, I do. I do. That's kind of what is, I picked it up. It is fruit quick. forward. Uh, this is a 2016 from the uh, Sanford Estate and it's not a terribly expensive Pinot. What would that, what, more, about, what, in the store? I think what, this, what the price this range? one's probably, I think, in the uh, 25 to 30 range. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, well worth it. And this 16 is excellent, and I would invite anybody to go to your local wine shops. Now, when Dave and I go to our local wine shops, yes. it would be Barvino with Mr. Matt Green in downtown Jefferson City. Oh, wonderful. Who is, who is our bottle sponsor. That's great. So he gives us things. We talk about it. We drink about it. It and, but we've had this one before. We had this one at our wine club. So I knew that this was really a good one. This is an easy can I make a little suggestion here? Could we, could we clink it and drink it one oh, time? Oh, we can yeah. clink and drink. Let's Ladies and, and drink. gentlemen, this is Clinkage and Drinkage with Mr. Brent Burns. So, Brandon, your recent travels, any good wine? No, yeah, the wines were good on the, the ship, served really good wines at dinner. Again, I'm not a connoisseur, but it really was good stuff. And, and I drink a lot of beer when I was in Germany. I'm not a real big beer drinker, but when in Germany, I had since, to drink beer. Since we're here, you did River Cruise. I did. Down tell, to Danube. Tell, tell us about that. Well, you know, a lot of people through the years have been doing Caribbean uh, destinations and stuff, uh, and cruises the Caribbean, but I've always been a fan of Europe. So we started doing these group trips. I didn't know if I'd enjoy taking 50 or 60 of my close personal friends along because I felt like I might be on stage all the time. But now that I've done these trips, we've been to Ireland and England, Ireland, Scotland, Italy, France, uh, Rhine River before COVID. I, I want to take people with me. I love watching people have a good time. And I love playing my music. I love that part. It's not work. So I, when I think about going somewhere in Europe, which is my favorite place to go, I think where do other people want to go? Because quite frankly, I like it all. Well, I saw your Facebook posts, and I tell you what, I was so jealous. I was just like, oh man! Not only would you get to go to Germany, you get to go with Brent Burns and and drink and Sunny beer. Jim. And Sunny Jim and was Sunny there. Jim, huh? Sunny Jim. Yeah, we had a great Sunny time. Sunny Jim. And you know, it's uh, like we were talking about this earlier. I was telling uh, Brad that went to the zoo one day and there was lots of kids there too many kids for me personally (laughs) (laughs) go away son you're bothering me get away you bug me take these children and feed them to the alligators (laughs) anyway so anyway as I told Colleen I said you know if you took the sound out of their voices uh, that they're speaking German you would think you're in an American zoo amazing place Europe is so what's your next one what are you thinking oh I'm thinking we're getting ready to announce I think uh, and I probably I may Trouble. You're not going to tell me, are you? Yeah, I am. No, I'm going to tell but you. But look, it's just the three of us. Okay. So Dana and I are getting ready to announce what we're going to do next August, September, or summer night. I won't say any dates because I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too much. But we're going to go on a really cool trip to Greece. Oh, uh, see, I thought that's exactly what you were going to say because you, the, the others you mentioned, I was like, I don't hear Greece yet. And well, that we, is one that. Uh, we had Greece booked two years in a row and it got canceled because uh, of COVID. We had right. two, two years in a row we were going to go and it got canceled. And so we went for it because it's the reason I want to go is because it's on my bucket list. And uh, and I, I got to hurry up. I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> I'm also going, but it's my son and I and, and his wife are going to Egypt in uh, next January, too. Just, he called me and said, you want to go for five days to Egypt? And I said, that sounds scary. And I said, yes, I'll 
I'll go. Um, so, have you traveled overseas quite a bit? Oh yeah, early yeah. on in life, and but uh, well, not early. No, when I was young, I was raising kids, you know, and I couldn't really afford the time or the money to, to travel. So I didn't start traveling until I was in my fifties. But like military, well, my military service was <laughs> limited to Vietnam for three and a half months, and then I spent the next two or three years on VA hospitals. So and thank you for your service, uh, Brent. No problem, no problem. Uh, it wasn't fun, but it was a it was an honor. That wasn't a vacation, was no, it? No, it wasn't. I didn't, I didn't, that's one of our. Bill White and I song says I didn't like the climate. <laughs> but uh, but live to tell the story. But no, I hadn't traveled a, little, a lot overseas at all until I, I did. A, actually, one of the first trips I did was for a USO. I did right after nine eleven. It just fell in place. Uh, they were all the entertainers had canceled the USO tours to Europe because nobody knew what was going on. Right. So thirty days after nine eleven, my son and I went to Europe to Italy and played for the troops in Aviano and the, the hospital there. Where some of the guys were uh, uh, from the Middle East would come to when they were injured in, 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 in the line of duty. So I got to do that, and it was really cool because uh, Europe was, right after 9-11, was so pro-American. Oh, my gosh. They were like, treat us like rock stars. You're from America. Oh, because it was empty. Italy was empty. I mean, and we went to Rome and went on a tour. I don't know why they didn't cancel it. It was an 18-seat tour bus, a guide and a driver, and my son and I. Wow. <laughs> because the, the people just were afraid to fly. And, yeah. And I'm not a real fearful person. So uh, that so was the tour. There wasn't, it wasn't like a big USO show. There was just oh, it's just me, just yeah. me, and I played. Because I know, three or I know four Tom Shepard. God bless him. He's he's done a, a lot of a, a lot, lot of, of tours and mm-hmm. uh, for our troops. Your son, love him for son that. play as well. So, pardon me. Does he, your son play music as well? Uh, no, he does not. He just uh, he likes to travel. <laughs> it's funny, you know. You travel Europe and you realize that the world does things differently than us. And sometimes they do it differently. Not, one's not better than the other. It's just it's different. We can learn from them. They can learn from us. And sure. everywhere I've been, France, people say, "Oh, they're going to hate you." You know, they hate Americans. I had a great time in France. People treat me like, but I'm I'm nice to people. I'm mannerly, you know, and I smile. And a smile will take you around the world, man. Sure will. Yeah, and a good song. Sometimes it helps, and I play, that, you know I played a, 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 a festival in the Czech Republic one time. Oh, you did? Tell about that? No, no, it was a big festival. It's been going on for like sixty, eighty years, and I, I and I played there. I had a great time. Went to the gate. I speak a little Czech, but not very well. And, come, uh, come watch your mouth. My dog, come sorry, on, this is this is almost a family show. No, my daughter-in-law is from Czech, and so I, I, I've learned a little bit of Czech enough just to get around town. You know, ask for help, and you know, you know, muchas dosik anglesige y nada listik prosim. It means, can, do you have an English menu? <laughs> it's very important to do that if you're out in the woods. <laughs> but anyway, I got to play a festival over there. It was great. Did wrote a couple of jokes and check jokes and. Uh, I did, uh, you know, nobody spoke much. It was outside of uh, Prague, so nobody spoke a lot of English. So I did up-tempo stuff like Aloha Betty and got them singing along. And sure. I didn't do any ballads or anything that would take any interpretive, any too funny stuff. Just, you know, Cuban sugar, things that were just sure. up-tempo and fun, you know. And it was great. They were just a great audience. It was really cool. Do you notice when you play over there, like a song like I'm Going Ugly Early, is that off-putting in some places? No, it's, it. you know, I, I did it when in Scotland. They uh-huh. loved it. They loved it. <laughs> Scots. Because the they, Scots. They, oh, the Scots, you yeah. know. My Scottish comes out when I wrote that song again, Bill White. But, uh, you know, English-speaking countries, yes. You know, I, when I, went, I played in Australia and, you know, those places, they get, they actually thought the Snowbird song was funny because I, I, I teed it up, you know, what, I, what it was about and they thought it was hilarious and I thought, that won't, won't get this. But no, they I wouldn't think they, they would it. either. They got it because they had little <laughs> nicknames for their people they don't like too. <laughs> <laughs> so they got it, you know, and, and that was that was several years ago. But um, I had a great time in Australia. It was it was one of my first trips overseas to play was Australia. Is that one of the places that you would take some folks? You think? Yeah, yeah. We've talked about that. The problem with that is it is a long trip over there, and it's expensive. It's expensive. Uh, once you get there, it's not so bad. But but man, because the dollar's strong. But just a flight, it's brutal. I was I was I was only in my fifties then, and uh, I forget how many hours we were on it's a, a plane. Long way. Yeah, I had a guy that brought me over there, and uh, I played this big soccer club, a, a football club, which is like a rugby club. But those things are huge. They, the, the lounge will seat. You know, 800 people. It's huge. And I had a warm-up act. Am I talking too much? Not at all. It's a, pod- it's a podcast. All. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know. You know, I'm a virgin to this stuff, you but, know? But here's the thing. You know, when you plan a trip, where do you go to get the information that you need? Because you need to do a little research. And, you know, I think one of the great places is 
your local library. And you maybe have not considered the fact that you can go to your local library. Now, in Jefferson City, we have the Missouri River Regional Library. We can go to, for all you bon vivants out there, mm-hmm. go to your go to your libraries, and you can check out, well, not only can you check out Brent Burns' music, Brent, which, can, of can course... Can you download music at the can, library? You can download music. You can download do they have, still videos. Have, do they still have books with big print and large pictures and they, for people like me? And, and they do. They do. So, Brent, when... I'm sure you remember as a kid when you checked out books at the Library of Alexandria. Well, that uh, <laughs> National, I checked out using National Geographic with uh, the, the African the, girls that were topless. African, yes. Yeah, was, yes. That was my first exposure to lots of sex. I worked on that Alexandria <laughs> joke, and I thought, I'm not going to let him totally is it, is, get is, by. Is that all you got? But that was a good I'm one. I'm the guy who burnt that one down. Come you know, on. That was, a, that was a good one. It was a good library. I, mean, uh, I tell you, they had you know a lot of stone tablets and stuff. They did. Did you enjoy the scrolls? They were very nice. You had to be careful. The parchment was uh, very delicate. I understand. So if you, too, want to go look at the parchments uh, at your local library, like Alexandria, please go to your local library. You were being library. so nice to me before, and I didn't need to take the cheap shot. I was you know? waiting on that You're one. a liar, bro. You've, you've been working on that all day. I have. You're a liar. I have. The whole Alexandria thing, I was just, I was just aching to do, to do that one. Because if I hadn't, and somebody else was in this cheat, believe me, do you think Bob Carwin would have not come up with oh, that. No, no. Oh, yeah, he would have been, he would have been very so cruel, cruel about it. Though. But we want to thank we want to thank our library and Missouri River Regional Library for sponsoring our podcast and all of you bon vivants, especially if you're travelers like Brent, go out there. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there at your local libraries that you can go and listen to, uh, read, and you know get your trip in in line before you go. You know so, what? Not that you mention that I got some books I checked out in Phoenix, Arizona. Last 12, I never turned it back in. I think they're overdue. I need to go home and check on this. Well, I can't imagine I'm what those overdue trouble. ones are from Alexandria, I'm too. To, I'm overdue. I'm in big trouble. I have to play, pay them in some foreign currency, probably. <laughs> hey, let's talk about music for a minute, okay, because cool. uh, rumor has it you do that. Um, okay, I'm, just, I'm just saying. We were we were talking off air a little bit about, uh, we like to, as we as Keith and I say, we like to take the go in the, the uh, Wayback Machine yeah, okay. and talk a little bit about, you know, when you started off um as a kid um you know i know i know why david picked up the guitar you know it's we all know probably why. the same we, reason brent picked up we, we all know why chicks. guys that's right to get chicks we I all was know hanging out with both beethoven at that time you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna beat you to the punch <laughs> damn it this piano is so overdone i'm gonna play guitar yeah, that's right. that's right. this harpsichord this, I, I can't yeah. play this harpsichord yeah, that's yeah. right that's right <laughs> This violin sucks. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 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 My, my Stradivarius. Yes. Uses Stradivarius for kindling. <laughs> <laughs> but what we were talking about, you grew up in a Baptist family. Yeah, I was, I was raised a Baptist. What's funny is uh, Keith is also grew up in the in the Baptist tradition. But yeah. I mean, so much music came out of church. I mean, some of Absolutely. the I mean, some of the most famous singers on the world came out of Whitney Houston. All you know, you can go right down the line. So many people came out of of their church experience. Jimmy uh, Swagger. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't what wasn't one I was going to mention. I'm sorry. Are we, are, we, are we sponsored by Baptist Church? I'm just asking. No, no, okay, we're okay. not. Right, no, we're I'm not. Just checking. No, we're not. But you, you, you started, you started yeah. on guitar, and you told a great story about your dad. Oh, I was watching. Uh, uh, we were watching a black and white TV. Probably, you know, I was probably 13, and Ricky Nelson came on and started singing an old Fats Domino song called "I'm Walking." I'm sure. walking. Yes, indeed. And my dad picks up his guitar and starts playing that song and singing it. I'm going. Were you shocked that he actually? Yeah. Yeah. He knew those chords. I'm going. Oh my gosh! Can you teach me that? You know, and and he did. And man, I I became obsessed with it because I wanted to get some chicks, man. Yeah. And I, I worked my butt off, and I I was in a band within six months to a year. I had a band. And that is my favorite question for musicians because I love band names, and sometimes the name has a great story, and some of it is you walked into the venue and said. 
uh, we got to call ourselves something. <laughs> oh, that, that always happens. Yeah. <laughs> or we're not getting a lot of gigs. Let's change our name. That's, that's the problem. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe because we're not very good. You know? <laughs> well, so what was that? What was that? Do you remember the name of that first band? Uh, I think I think we called ourselves the first first band I had. We called the Shadows. Uh, but I think the first band I had that really made a little impact, and you can still buy our product out there, believe it or not, was called the Grapes of Wrath. And you can still actually go online and buy one of our CDs because a company took some of our old recordings. And put them together on a, a CD, so we were pretty we were a pretty fair little band. Had some records out that did reach made some regional noise, but that was fun. But it, it just the music was you know so much about getting the chicks and 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 it was you know I was the lead singer of the band. I didn't do a lot of the I did all the bookings, so I didn't have to set the equipment up. You know, so I'd walk in at showtime and say. Let's go. You know, I was kind of a prima donna even back then. <laughs> even back then. Well, one of the things we, we neglected because we kind of got into your travel early, you're you're an Oklahoman. You I am. grew up in Oklahoma. Proud and, to say I'm an Okie, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're an Okie. And so, but your band days when you did move. Yes, when I was 10. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you went. Phoenix to Phoenix, to Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona. So that was your band days. Did you yep. start kind of? Yeah. That's when you really yeah, kind of got was, to get got, together. Had my first band. Got my first band when I was fourteen. And played music all through high school. Got with the Grapes of Wrath. We had a little success. With some uh, had a producer and had a backer. And did it's a few pretty records. good for high school. Yeah, we did good. Did you, you have know? like? Did you have like one song all of a sudden that's kind of popped well, or something? We had a band or? called Not a Man, which was you know kind of a local hit. Uh, and I wasn't writing back then. I was just singing and, and running the, running the band, kind of doing the business end of things. Um, I didn't start writing until later, literally later in life, seriously writing when yeah. I got the net. But, you know, during the 70s and stuff. And I had a little success. I had a little novelty hit back in 79, which you probably know about, so I won't bore you with it. But No, we're, uh, no you're going to bore us with it because oh. I've got it down. I said, I, I wrote down here, will you please bore us with the song about uh, – <laughs> no, it's not boring. It's it's it's, it's an important part of your, uh, your history, and, and the, the question is – with gas prices being what they are now, why isn't it a hit now? Well, it was times had changed, but it was called cheap recruiter, no more food. It was during the air boil embargo and all those problem times, and 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 I, I wrote the song and, and recorded it in '76. And in '79, uh, a friend of mine who, who had produced some of my records said, "Do you mind if I if I do something with that song? Can I get a part of the publishing that, that cheap recruit song?" I said, "Sure. What are you going to do?" I said, I can't, "I can't really tell you." So he sends it to Paul Harvey. Okay, and I didn't know this at the time. He just had told me, "Can I get a piece of the publishing?" Which I owned all of, and he, I said, "Sure." And next thing, he calls me and says, "You're gonna believe this, but I think Paul Harvey might play your song." Paul Harvey He's, doesn't play songs. Exactly. He never. <laughs> it's the only song he ever played before or since. So he plays uh, "Cheap Recruit" on a Wednesday, and it blows up. I mean, just literally blows up. So he plays it again on Friday, and it's still blowing up. And we don't have a, we don't even have a pressing or anything. We just have a tape. And that's all we have. And he plays it again on a Saturday. It's a rebroadcast show on Saturday. He does so within days. A company from Nashville flies out and signs that record. And it's so we they press four hundred thousand records, uh, which I never saw a penny of, by the way. Welcome to show business. Good learning experience. They went bankrupt before they gave me any money. But, you know, from that, I got on. It real, was a single. It was a it single. It wasn't. A 45. The it big, was. The big hole. The okay. Big hole, the big what hole. was on the other side? Uh, Bobby's Nervous Breakdown. Of, uh, a uh, banjo <laughs> instrumental. Bobby's Nervous Breakdown. See, I, here's the thing. I was producing records. I was producing people back then. I produced Bobby Butler on this song. He was at the singer. He wasn't really yeah. a singer. He was a disc jockey, and I produced him on it. Bobby did not present himself really well to the public. He wasn't. He was a radio guy. Yeah, you know, if you know what I mean. And uh, so we went on uh, Hee Haw, and then uh, they saw him on. We did on Real Real People, which is a coast to coast thing. George Slatter did. Yeah, I remember Real thing. People. Yeah, and uh, then Mike Douglas show wanted just me. Because they did, Bobby just didn't present himself. They didn't think well, so they asked me to come because I wrote the song. Right. So I went on a Mike Douglas show by, my, by myself and um, in my Afro hair and my box shoes and my. I saw that you look. You look sexy. No, that goofy. I will tell you. But, but I thought I looked great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I never leaving that. They said it's your turn, and I, they, I looked in the mirror, that big mirror with the balls around the glass, and I went. Looking good, dude. But uh, looking back, you look feel, feel pretty silly when you see us in an afro and block shoes and puka shells. Well, Brent, <laughs> Brent, 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 Mike Douglas was a big damn deal. Well, well, man. Before that, like you, you kind of skipped over. You were on Hee Haw. Hee Haw, right? You were on there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and Mike Douglas show really was my best shot because Mike was 
daytime TV. He, he owned a lot of that. Yeah. He was a really nice guy. And uh, I, I don't want to bore you with the, the whole story, but the, the, one of the reasons I got on Mike Douglas is his talent coordinator was talent coordinator for Ed Sullivan. Uh, but many years earlier, and Ed Sullivan's show came to my ward at Fitzsimmons Army Hospital, where I was a patient, and did a show with Bobby Gentry, David Fry, the Impressionist, and Gladys Knight and the Pips right across from my bed. Unfortunately, I went to surgery that morning while they recorded this, the thing. <laughs> but days before this all happened, the, pre, the preliminary people came in, and Vince Calandria came in and started talking to me. I told him I was a musician, and we became friends. And so years later, we had this song that was breaking pretty good, and I realized he was there, and I had a girl working for me, calling for me, and she said, make sure you tell, remind Vince that who I am, Brent Burns, and he met me at Fitzsimmons, and he said, oh, really? And so he booked me on the Mike Douglas show. So, wow. Wow. My life's had a lot of turns. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And and for the Bomb Vivants out there, uh, Brent is a double Purple Heart uh, recipient. I couldn't. Whatever. I but I'm saying. I should have zagged. No, I'm saying uh, thank you for your service. Well, uh, it, was, uh, it was an honor. After that, mm-hmm. that that run of uh, of stardom, yeah, it was about twenty minutes of fame. Yeah, yeah well, it was. You're on Mike Douglas. Yeah. Not everybody's on Mike I'm Douglas. I'm still baffled by Hee Haw. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Hee Haw fan. <laughs> Dave's, so they, we were Dave's Goober's guest. Goober's guest. Really? Yeah. Goober's gas station. I, I, you know, I went back to Nashville to do that, and I didn't know because I was a naive kid that they tape. You know, the Goober's gas station. They'll tape twenty episodes, right? You know, twenty things, and they'll do them back to back. Then they put them together, and, and so they can do the oh. whole show for the season in like a week. You know, they'll do. You so know. they did them. They did them increment. So the first part of the show, they did twenty of them, and then they, they yeah. just did them and, in, and in which, like silos, which all makes sense. You know, like they do game shows the same way. But okay. I didn't know at the time. And then so they put like, them all together. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 But Roy Clark was there, and a few of the people, and Stream Bean, uh, Junior Samples, and all those guys were there. You know. Chance to meet Roy Clark? Uh, oh yeah, I did. So where where was your career at that point? Then where did you think you wanted to go? What I mean, you were a singer songwriter at that point. You were committed, obviously, to your music career. Sure, sure. So is that the point that you went down to Gulf Shores? No, no. I, I've been traveling in Gulf Shores for since '72. I've been playing the Holiday in there. Okay, but uh, but I had that, that, that I had come to a point in my career, and Cheaper Crew kind of got me there. I was going to move to L.A. Or to Nashville. Okay. I just knew I just can't, it's just too hard to live in if you're going to be really successful, uh, and be somebody more than a local star, um, which I was in Phoenix for, during that period. You know, I got to open for, uh, Merle Haggard and, and Hoyt Axton and some people like that. So. You opened for Merle? I did. And, and, uh, Open for Hoyt Axton. Yeah, Hoyt Axton? I loved Hoyt Axton. I loved him. <laughs> oh, but Merle was not, and uh, didn't get to talk to uh, uh, Hoyt too much, but Merle let me on the bus, and we got a chance to visit. So where were you then? You had your hits. Mm-hmm. My hit, hit. Your <laughs> hit? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just decided I was going to move to Nashville. Yep. I said, I'm, I'm on the strength of that. I'm going to move to Nashville and be a star. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, be, a sing, I'm going to be a singer. And I moved to Nashville and I started uh, taking, started writing some and I'd take my songs in to play for people. And they'd say, well, let me, let me play you something. And they'd play something, a demo that a guy was singing so good that it might knock me down. I've thought to myself, oh my gosh, I better start writing more because there's a lot of great singers in Nashville. Yeah. And so I really got it's serious. A tough, it's a tough city. Yes. And I got Real lucky. I, I got had I had a mentor named Wayland Holyfield, who was uh, one of the greatest writers ever. Nashville took me under his wing and taught me. And really, if I ever write a good song, I always say Wayland taught me how to write a good song, and he did. He took me under his wing and just really mentored me for a long time and, and helped me out a lot. But I had a lot of people help me out a lot, and I missed a lot of opportunities in Nashville. I was I could tell you stories for an hour about chances I had that I blew. So, but it's part of life. It's all worked out pretty good. Or the chances you took that you didn't. Well, sure, you've just got to. I mean, you learned a lot. I mean, you know, and and believe me, I mean, one of the greatest examples, Garth Brooks went to Nashville the first time and absolutely got his ass kicked. The greatest quote was, Kid, you're making $600 back in Oklahoma. I suggest you go back to Oklahoma because you're not going to do that here. Oh, I heard the same thing. I, I, it I was, was a great I, story. I visited Nashville back in the 70s, took some stuff, and I had, I'd had a couple of small companies sign me to record deals through the years. But I went back there and was pitched some stuff, to, and I got into, back in those days, the 70s, you get into Capitol Records, and I, Biff Colley was there, and I was, you know, pitching stuff, and I remember talking to somebody on the phone. I had been to Nashville and talking, and he said to me, you know, what are you doing now? You said, what, you live in Phoenix? What, how much 
make. If I was making five, six, seven hundred dollars a week, he says, "Let me tell you something. You better, you better stay there." Same story, <laughs> huh? Tough, same story. <laughs> and, I, and, and after I moved there, I realized what he was talking about. It's a tough, it's a tough gig, man. I mean, so, Brent, of, of, I mean, you said you could go on for hours. Do you have one example that? haunts you to this day that like god if i would have just i have a bunch i have about i'll give you a couple of quick ones uh i was doing a songwriter's night in nashville and you won 100 bucks if you won okay and i split it with a guy and we decided we're going to write together and i at brown we're going to meet at brown's diner where a lot of guys met and i forgot the gig and he called me and said where where are you and i said i forgot and i was you know kind of cocky and i and he kind of was kind of pissed and i just kind of blew it off it was kicks brooks Oh, oh, Brent! No, no, I mean, I mean, so oh. I didn't, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't the Kicks Brooks then. He was just a new guy in town. Yeah, yeah. sure. You know, and my other great regret is, and this is even a bigger personal regret, really, is that uh, I became friends with Phil Everly from the Everly Brothers. And mm-hmm. Phil Everly uh, was a hero of mine growing up from the fact that I saw him when I was sixteen, and I'd seen a lot of this one club that would let kids in on, at, at, on Sunday afternoons. The headliners would play for the younger crowd, and I'd heard Johnny Rivers there and a bunch of big people and Everly Brothers hadn't had a hit for years and they came out on the stage and blew me away they were such showmen that moment at 16 realized the difference between being a singer and an and a, entertainer and a performer yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, then I got to meet him and got to know him pretty good and we were sitting having dinner one night and he said I want to write songs with you man I love the stuff you do it's fun it's it's just it makes people feel smile and feel good and I said great and I didn't follow up on that uh, which I should have I could have said well let's, what, can, what can we do you know and could have you know called him and said let's get together and I did, and then he got sick shortly after that, and and, and he died a year or so later. Oh. Uh, yeah, but I, I regret that. I would love to be able to say on stage, "Here's a song I wrote with Phil Everly," because he was he was a great guy, and uh, really, really a sweet, sweet, sweet man, and a great writer. And I regret that. I regret that probably more than anything in my career. And, I, and there's been some things, opportunities I've missed that would be more financially, but that was personal. Yeah. So the Everly Brothers, you know who their musical director was later on in their career? Who's that? Warren Zevon. Warren Zevon. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that Phil was at uh, Buddy Holly's. He was a pallbearer at Buddy Holly's funeral. I didn't oh, know really? That. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know they were that. I would have loved to have questioned him about that, but I found out about that later. Yeah. Well, we like that too, uh, podcast. Entertaining and informative. So they're, and educational. There, <laughs> there we you go. go. The Parrothead world. Yes. Let's move into that just for okay. a little bit because yeah. you moved into it before anybody even knew what it was. Well, I mean, when when was it that you moved down to Gulf Shores then? I, I started playing there in 72 and then moved to Nashville in 80. When I moved to Nashville, I was closer than Phoenix. So I was there living there six months out of the year and had a good following in Gulf Shores. And I left Nashville in the 90s after I got divorced. And I kind of had been in the writer's slump for quite a while. And I decided when I got there, I'm not going to chase a jukebox anymore trying to write hits i yeah. want to write what i know about beach, beat the beach in the life and i started working on my first cd living a life jimmy buffett only wrote about and it kind of got me out of the writer slump you know and that one did well it did well it's it's it's, it's still, still it's, it's still it's, one of the is a brent burns that if you don't hear it and you don't sing it i've got a list so well, there's a bunch of those songs that thank i you. just absolutely love thank you so but I, you know, I didn't. I didn't know there was a trop rock. We didn't call it trop rock back then. It was golf and western. It was you know Timmy Buffett music or Parrothead music. Uh, but uh, Jim, you know Jim Hain. Sure. He called me one day out of the blue, and this is before cell phones. Said we're doing a, a benefit CD, and we wanted to put you on it. I don't know. How, I can't remember how he even heard about me. And I was skeptical. It was after Nashville, I was kind of skeptical. Of it. And finally, I said, No, what do I got to lose? It's for charity, supposedly. I didn't know who it was. And he started telling me about these functions, these Parrothead functions. I had no idea. So, Thongs in the Key of Life came out, and he sent me a bunch of copies. And I looked on the CD, and there's Sonny Jim. And I'm listening to this CD, and it's all this beach music like I'm writing. I don't know any of these guys. John Reno, Jim Morris, Sonny Jim. On and on, I'm going... My God, there's a whole genre out there. I mean, I came by it naturally. I mean, I, I wasn't, didn't know any of this kind of music was even going on. I was just doing it because that's what I did. I just realized I may have found a kind of a home for what I'm writing right now. These are know? my peeps. I got to tell you, yeah. those, those thong CDs, Brent, I don't know how many parrot heads were inspired by those, I think so. by those, because those were, those were like our greatest hits. I mean, mm-hmm. those At were, and the, and the first hits. And you, you know, one, it's funny about those, those early guys, uh, and, and I'll reminisce a little bit, Jim Morris, Sonny Jim, me, Jerry Diaz, uh, just to name a few, Jim, John Reno. We all had one thing in common. We all, all of us lived at or right near the coast. 
Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, the, the early guys, we all were kind of writing what we knew, you know, because they're kind of writing about our lives in a way. It's all spread out now, you know, all over the United States. But a lot of the guys lived right there where it was going on, you know. So it was a, just writing what I saw every day at the beach. So, What was one of those first shows, though, that you went to? And you actually were in front of the Parrothead crowd, yeah, if, yeah. Per, tr- per se. Do you remember? Rem- I'm trying to remember what it would have been. It would have been a party ground, maybe? I don't, uh, I don't it, know. It, it, you, know what? Done... you know what? I, I, I am the longest standing member of party ground. <laughs> John Reno was, was there the first year. I was not there the first year, but I've been there the second year every year since. I, I was exposed to a lot of people at Party Gras. I mean, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I saw I saw some bizarre behavior from some of the folks from Phoenix. No, <laughs> oh yeah, and I became great friends with them. But that there was, you know, I was I was kind of like my I was an eye opener. You know, Party Gras. I think may have been one of my very first functions I went to that I was like met a lot of people and it was an eye opener. It was a different crowd. I just because I've been playing bars, you know, sure, and joints yeah. and, and doing a lot of cover tunes, and now suddenly I'm doing my original stuff. You know, and uh, it was it was it's been it's been great you know it's been wonderful but one of the bars is not just any bar lulu's oh that's not just that's not just any bars that's no that's the sister of demand it is and so how did that relationship come about because i i would have loved to have seen the old lulu's because evidently it was not anything quaint. like it's the, quaint compared in comparison. Wasn't wasn't it a barge or something that was in the river that no, they you took, played they, on? They, or? they brought the they used a barge to get to move the stuff over from the original Lulu's to the new place. They they barged over all kinds of stuff. Um, but uh, the original it was at it was at a it was on, on Fish River and it was real tiny. It was a real small place. I mean, yeah, there was, was much to it. I never played there. And for, for the Bobby Vines that don't know what I'm talking about, it's Jimmy Buffett's. Sister Lucy yes. Buffett, and so Sweet lady. Um, and I, t- I got a chance to meet her. I have her gumbo spoon signed by Lucy Buffett. Wow! So when I make my gumbo, Brent, it is the best gumbo. Yes, thank you. you. That's right. That's well, right. You know, I, I played for for the first time uh, shortly after they opened, and um, I did. I never met Lucy, and didn't. And so I was setting my stuff up, and one of the local guys here to support me whispered in my ear, "That's Lucy Buffett at the at the bar." I go, "Oh, okay." So I'm thinking, what am I going to play first? And I decided to roll the dice, and I played "Living the Life." Jimmy Buffett only wrote about. It's pretty ballsy. It was, it was. <laughs> it was. but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at times fearless. There you go. And I looked over at her, and she Carpe smiled. Di- Carpe diem. She, you know, she was obviously there checking me out too, and uh, you know, musically. And, uh, so I, I knew that. Yeah, I knew that. Of course, you did. I did. Just want to make sure it was, I was clear. <laughs> But uh, but she gave me a thumbs up and a smile, and and she's I've been working her eighteen years. I've been starting back in September every other Monday this year. Eighteen years. Yeah, you know, they, they 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 have three stores now. I mean, it's a corporate entity. Oh, now. I know. And uh, I don't see Lucy like I used to. At least to see her a lot. And I got to. She has been so sweet to me. And they've had a million managers come through. I know one to probably get rid of me. And I think that was I was like uh, just leave her hands off, Brent. <laughs> you know. So I'm still there every other Monday during the winter time. And uh, I'll tell you a quick Lucy Buffett story. I was going to Paris. Uh, to do one of our trips, and I was going to go sit by and see Jimmy at the La Segal, which is a beautiful 900-seat arena. No no jumbotrons there. You, you're close to him. I mean, the board seat in the house, you're out here to that wall because yep. it's 900 seats, three stories, so everybody's got a great seat. And she got wind I was going, and, and uh, I, I didn't mention it to her. And I got a call from Jimmy's people about a week before and said, Jimmy wants to meet you backstage. I know she set it up, obviously. And so I go, I go backstage, and we have a lot of mutual friends from Nashville and in Gulf Shores. Sure. A lot. And we talked about that mostly. And I didn't want to be the guy that they had to ask leave. You know what I mean? I, want to be a, I didn't want to be, a, I didn't want to be that, that guy. That, that, so that I said, Buffett guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we had a great conversation uh, for a while. And I said, I know you guys so do. I'm, I don't want to stay longer, and I'm going to go. And I was wa- literally walking away. We shook hands. And he said, Brent, hang on a second. He said, don't you want to get a picture with me? And I said, yeah, I, w- I would. Uh, I, just, I just didn't want to ask. He, goes, he says, Carlton, come over here and take a picture of us. So I have a nice picture of me and Jimmy. But I literally was not going to ask. I was embarrassed to be that guy. But I'm glad he, he said something. So thank you, Jimmy. And thank you, Lucy. I would be that guy. <laughs> it's, it wouldn't have been a problem. I just I have a hard well, time. Let me ask David Baker. Jimmy walks into the room. This is your shot. What would you ask him? What would you say to him? I don't, I don't you know. I'm kind of like. Brent too. I'm I'm so worried about being that guy, and, and I, I can I can tell you this, and this is not to blow hot air at Brent's ass, but 
when we were in Key West last year and I was playing in the TRMA band and I got to play backup and sing backup um, on If Not Now, When. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, I that, and yeah. we had we had seen Brent and Bill and everybody at the Fools on Stools before, and so I'm you know I'm kind of fanboying up there because Brent's on stage. <laughs> oh come on! I'm not kidding. And then we we get done with the song, and I'm I'm just kind of standing over there. I mean, everybody knows Brent. I, I didn't really know Brent. I mean, I, I obviously knew who he was. And Brent comes up and goes, "David, thank you for singing with me on that. That was great." And that was just like. I mean, well, there you a go. loss for words. I don't know. And I'm looking out there in the crowd. Like I'm looking towards you guys going, Brent. Brent. I said, good job. I, I have a hard time wrapping my arms around it. I, you know, I'm, and I'm not an overly modest guy, but I just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in it or I wouldn't say it. Well, know? and you were getting, you were getting the Lifetime Achievement Award that did, night. You were getting all that. And, and I mean, again, it was all of these people paying homage to you. And I, and I knew they were going to do that. Um, I didn't know, but, but again, it was I mean, one of those. I was the only guy in the house didn't know I was getting that damned award. Well, the good thing yeah. too, like I, I love that song. Thank you. And so, getting to play backup and getting to sing backup on it, I mean, it meant a lot to me. And so, again, I'm just kind of standing there. I don't. I'm new to the to the genre, so I'm just kind of minding my own business. And Brent gets off his stool and comes over there and he says, "Hey, you know, thanks, David, for doing that." I'm like. What? Well, <laughs> never, never to say kind and of word. For the Bomb Vivants that don't know, Brent has won more TRMAs. That's the Trop Rock Music Association Awards for, uh, I don't know, you've won a, a, a billion of them. And, and, and rightly deserved. <laughs> I mean, you know, okay, here's one thing I want to ask before we get to the important top three picks. Horse what, racing? Oh. No, <laughs> you know, picks? we could talk about that, too. Here's another thing. <laughs> He's got horses. I and used to. I, love, I used, to. used to. And I love horse racing. I can't, no, we can't go down that road because okay, that'll take another 20 right, minutes. Absolutely. But we'll do our top three picks in a minute. Okay. You and Bill White, how did that relationship come about? Because let me tell you, that's been a pretty successful collaboration between the two of you. And, 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 a, is, and a friendship and, that's and, been. And he's a hoot, too. He, he, You're he kind is, of a hoot, but he's he is, a real hoot. He is, a, he is insane. But <laughs> no, we we were uh, we had a mutual friend who was a booking agent naturally who uh, worked with Bill a lot. And she had a place in Gulf Shores and was a fan of my music. And she said, I want you to meet Bill White. And they set up a lunch and we met I met Bill and uh, we hit it off and said well, we should write something sometime he was still disc jockey he was yeah for, uh, for you uh, Bon Vivants that don't know he was a major yes. he is a major disc jockey and a major writer of <laughs> so he you know the night that you guys performed he didn't even scratch the surface of some of the songs that he's written for oh. a lot of other people yeah, too and, and he uh, yeah he's also in the, uh, the Country Broadcasters Hall of Fame yeah in Nashville so he, so he was a very successful disc jockey, morning disc jockey. So we just hit it off, and and, and uh, I was working on songs for my Tropical Nut CD, which was my third CD. He came down, and we wrote, gosh, we wrote four or five songs. We wrote Ugly Early, and we wrote uh, Men Fake It Too. I think it was on that one. And he, he wrote four or five songs with me on that. And, some, and of course, Ugly Early has been real good to me. And <laughs> it's been recorded by Cletus T and sold 185,000 copies. And I, I actually did it on the, I did it on the Big D and Bubba show, which is a syndicated show. A PR guy called me and we were talking. He said, you know, they, they, they're big fans of yours. I said, I haven't been on there in years. He goes, well, if you go to Nashville, let me know. I'll call. And they, he called him. They said, yeah, we'd love to have him on. So I'm going to be doing the Big D and Bubba show. They're like a hundred, a hundred markets. So it's a really, yeah. they're, they're not, they're in Nashville market, but they're also in a lot of medium size markets, you know, Huntsville and places like that. But Bill and I just hit it off and we hit it off personally, you know, and the, the relationship got stronger and stronger and, and we're just like best friends and people say, what, what's it like when you guys are together? I say, it's just like we're on stage. It's just constant. You know, the phone rings. <laughs> you guys I say, are back you know, and forth I at say, each what other. You, what yeah. the hell do you want? What are you, what are you bothering me for? You know, it's like, <laughs> it just starts from the beginning <laughs> of conversation to the end. It's like, like two old married people. It is. <laughs> it's, it's great. Constantly, he's on my case all the time like and, and i'm on his case and it's you just, throw it back pretty good oh, though. Yeah, I, I dish it out pretty so good so anyway you know i may i may call you to say hey tell bill these guys are a big deal i will so, i will and i, I, I talked to hey, you you're my friend i'll lie for you okay? <laughs> i appreciate that brent thanks we're getting to another part of the show okay this is our top three picks top three train songs 
Oh. Is what we got coming up. So did you do any Johnny Cash? Thing? Oh, Johnny. <laughs> oh, I just sing a song. And, my, and here's my the, wife, June Carter Cash. Oh, well, June's right here, right now. June's right here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there we go. So, anyway, here's the way it works we each take one. We always let the guests go first. Mr. Burns. Yes, sir. Train songs. The city of New Orleans. There you go. You know. One of the best. Written by. Uh, Steve Goodman. Steve Goodman. And also some by Arnold Guthrie, whose father, Woody Guthrie, was from Oklahoma. Yes, that's right. Died of ALS. Yes. I know that because I, we had neighbors that were, uncle, he was uncle to our neighbors in Seminole, Oklahoma. And Steve Goodman died way too young. Way too young. And what a He was what a good a friend of Jimmy Buffett's. I, I've got, I actually have City of New Orleans too. It is truly one of the great, great train songs. It, um, it paints such a, it's such a, it, it, it just paints such a story, you know. The 1972. And honestly, Brent, I don't know if you know this, this is a true story. Steve Goodman actually took that train. Uh, that whole sequence of stuff is stuff that Steve Goodman actually experienced. He he watched all of that. Wow. And so if, cool. when, when you're listening to that song, it's not something that's, that's just made up. Yeah. Um, it's really the the Illinois Central is is actually a, a train that that Steve took on a, wow. on a pretty regular basis. And so that is a fantastic first yeah that's a great it great, is a great story and just great great great, I'm, great not surprised, I'm not surprised he wrote that train because he just the way he paints that you can just see oh, you can see it you it's can a, see it. it's a painting yeah, almost you can see it, it. Is. The, well, the way he uh, the, the lyrics and stuff that yeah. he that it, the, the way that song works out i mean it's just great is it, is it because because we can he paints it so well we can you can see those in your mind you know that you've probably seen something similar to it you, you know? can feel it mm-hmm. you, yeah. you feel the yeah song. The, the way he describes it, you yeah. can feel it. Yeah, it's a great one, and obviously it's a great pick because I also have it. So you know, yeah, there we it. go, Davo. Uh, Wabash Cannonball, my Roy Aka. Nice, Wabash Cannonball. Interesting story about that song. Um, so I named my first child Towns after Towns. You name. named him Wabash. And the interesting story about that is uh, when Steve Earle was a young pup in uh, Austin, Texas, I believe, uh, he was playing in the bars, and Towns Van Zant came up, sat down in the very front, and you know Steve Earle was always trying to impress Towns Van Zant because he was you know the songwriter, songwriter, and uh, you know he was the guy to impress. And so anyway, Steve Earle's sitting on stage playing songs, and Towns Van Zant pulls his chair up, puts his boots up on the stage, and Says you can play the Wabash Cannonball. So Steve Roll ignored him for a few songs. He just kept yelling up there. He goes, "You gonna play the Wabash Cannonball?" And Steve Roll goes, "I don't know the Wabash Cannonball." He goes, "You call yourself a folk singer? You don't know Wabash Cannonball?" <laughs> True story. That's funny. Oh my god. Oh my god. How intimidating that is. Huh? Oh man. Steve Roll said, "I." He goes, "I played." Four or five Towns Van Zant songs that no one else did, and there were no, you know, you could find a bootleg recording. He goes, "I learned those songs, played them for him, but he was disappointed that I didn't play Wabash no, no Wabash Cannonball." I did. There oh must have been alcohol involved. It. It had to be. Had to be. Yeah. Oh, that is funny. I mean, if I were him, I'd, I know I, I, people do my stuff once in a while. I'll see it online if I do Snowbird Season or Ugly Area. And I always flatter when someone's singing my soul. Had it been a different circumstance, I'm sure Towns would have been impressing <laughs> those songs. <laughs> How intimidating. Someone you admire like that put their boots up on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> so my um, my first one is, is somebody that I've never seen, but I, I would really – Love to see live. He's, he's kind of a bucket list guy, and I've learned one thing, Brent. When you've got your heroes, you got your musical heroes, and they're getting up there, mm-hmm. go see them. Yeah. Don't wait around. Keith and I went and saw Chris Christopherson. We saw uh, Willie Nelson. If you wait around, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, and right. um, I've done that. I've yeah, done and one of them that I really want to go see, I want to go see Cat Stevens. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to go see Cat Stevens. And Peace Train yeah. is is uh, 71 top 10. It was actually one of his first top 10 hits okay. uh, in the United States. 
he's got oh very young you know wild world he's had another, another saturday night father and son yeah i mean he's just he's just a singer songwriter guy mm-hmm. you know yeah. and he's had so many great songs and i just love to go see him sometime i've yeah. never did you ever run across no uh, he did he, didn't he he got out of the business years ago though didn't he didn't he did he, he converted, 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 converted yeah. to, to muslim and, and he quit basically quit touring he, yeah. he didn't hear much of him and then all of a sudden he was like is he back yeah oh i didn't know oh, he was on the no fly list for a while yep really yeah because yeah, i think he'd made some threatening comments about uh he's, oh had, boy. he's had a yeah he's had an interesting yeah, uh, yeah just be, you know just because just remind reminder that being famous and great songwriters will make you not have issues you know what i'm saying i mean just mm-hmm. uh, that he made those threatening things he said people you know we're just people are writers and stuff and famous people are just human beings and they have other issues just like you and i have and uh, and there are problems just like you and i have it as my daddy used to say they put their pants leg pants on one leg at a time and they're just humans so they, yeah so where are we who's next Brent, second oh, Brent. one. We're all second going. one. Oh, another train? Yeah. Oh, crap. Got three. I, I, came, I came up here. Oh, oh um, Folsom Prison Blues. All right. There we go. Johnny. I, Johnny. Well, hello, I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> well, you know, he, he you know he paints a little picture about the, the rich folks and the fancy dining car. Absolutely. Absolutely. Probably drink coffee and smoking big cigars. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I shouldn't have pressed it, Johnny. I'd, that was I'd do it. this, just Brent, cough a little bit and Brent, Brent uh, was, sing a little flat. And ladies and gentlemen, Brent was just doing Johnny Cash a Twitch. Oh, he's twitching too, which you can certainly see on a podcast. Johnny is just can, can you imagine Johnny Cash, poor guy? He's, he was known as the Man in Black. I always right. thought about this. That how many times he wanted to wear a flowered shirt or a white shirt, and, and June said, "Get your ass back in here and get your black black shirt back on. We, You're not wearing that white shirt he, out in public." He'd, he'd never make it in the pop in the trap rock world. I'm sorry, no. but yeah, that's, that's right. right. Davo, uh, mystery train. Uh, and you can take your pick on who I don't remember who I don't know who wrote that song, but uh, my favorite version is obviously Elvis. But uh, Mystery Train is Elvis is good. Have you seen Elvis this, is, the movie? I Elvis. did. Oh, I thought it was really cool. And I, you know, I grew up uh, my my mom and dad. My dad particularly was a huge Elvis fan, mm-hmm. so um, I grew up having to watch all the movies, uh, yeah. <laughs> listening to the records. Yeah. Uh, I've been to Graceland eight times, I think. Yeah, um, I've. Deep dive, and I don't know if this is all just like be on the same page with my dad or what, but I've deep dove into everything about that man, and so I watched the movie. Yeah, absolutely loved Austin Butler's portrayal of him. I thought it was good. There's something I didn't like, some things I was like, eh, taking some liberties there, but yeah, his performance, especially in um, when he's in Vegas in 71, 72 with his residency, the moves he had. It comes straight out of the documentary Elvis. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, unbelievable. I mean, he's he had him down perfect. Yeah, yeah, just perfect. I have a little, I have a little Elvis story. I was uh, assigned to a label out of Memphis. I think it was called River Records. And before they signed me, they were trying to talk me into signing. And I was always skeptical of these you know, smaller labels and stuff like that. And the guy called, I can't think of the guy's name. He had, it was River Records, I believe. And he says, I'm, I'm in Sam Phillips' office. And, 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 uh, cause he knew I was skeptical about signing. He says, Sam wants to talk to you. So. You talked to Sam Phillips? Yeah, yes. And I, you know, it was, it was in the seventies. So Sam was not the, Guy, he looked. People look up to him now. I mean, it was like Elvis has left his label, and, and he, Brent, Brent, Sam Phillips. You know? <laughs> I remember how he talked like that. Look, this guy's a legitimate guy. He's really good. You need to sign his label. He's going to do good, good things for you. I'm just showing. You know, when we talked, and I, I didn't know the significance at the time. I wish I had savored all those kind of moments like that. Yeah. You know, but uh, but he just kind of convinced me that this guy was legitimate, and you know, I needed to sign with him, and I and I did. And we did a two record deal. It didn't do much, but but. Um, uh, you know, you always hope when you sign a deal. And people, was that Sun Records? No, no, no. It was no. A River Records. It River was Records. Sam was just a friend of his and was kind of guiding him. I think. Uh, okay. And Sam was even Sam's off, and Sam was talking to him, and I think Sam was guiding him a little bit, and 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 Sam was. Was, he put Sam on the phone to convince me to sign with him, you know, and so and yeah, it, it, son didn't it, re- it, it didn't it, last it, real it, long it, it, after. No, it didn't. But it pulls it pulled some weight it, with me. With they get Sam well, feels the sure. phone. Well, Sam said he's All a right. cool I, guy. So I immediately forgot about Hee Haw. 
And now I'm thinking Stock to Sam Phillips. That's right. I did, but that's did, unbelievable. At the time, I didn't realize the significance of it. It was the 70s. And yeah. Sam was kind of a, not talked about a lot in the business. Yeah. And now now he's like, you know, people like all, Sam Phillips and all the things he did. You know how it is. It's like sometimes, you know, prophets and poets aren't appreciated in their own time like painters, you know. They, yeah, to be, when they're gone, they go, God, he was really good, you know. And, and uh, Sam was a, a visionary, obviously, and, and and had a boy, he had an ear for talent, didn't he? I mean, an eye for it too. They saw that thing in Elvis and, and Jerry Lee and Roy Orson and all those guys. Man, I mean, what a night that must have been, huh? Oh, boy. One of the train songs that I really like, because I love this guy's voice, and I love David's voice, but, but Josh Turner is one of the guys. Long Black Train is mm-hmm. is is truly... Because I, I just love listening to the, it's so silky. He has got one of the prettiest voices, and it's it's. I think people underestimate the importance of how hard it is to maintain a low, you know, the low track. They all look at the high track, but to have a consistent, you know, a low track is is also, I think, really important. And, I, and yeah. Josh Turner is one of those guys. I mean, it was 2003, but Long Black Train, and it's kind of a it's kind of a revival sort of a song, you know. It's kind of a an upbeat Christian kind of a kind of a song. But I always loved that song. I, I always thought it was good, and the 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 video is kind of weird. I don't necessarily like the video, but I really do like Josh Turner. I think he's got yeah. just amazing, amazing. He's kind of made the crossover to more of a Christian artist. I think. Now. Yeah, has he? I, mean, he? I, think yeah. He has. I don't keep up, man. I, you, people don't believe this, but I don't, I don't listen to music or, or the radio at all. As a producer or writer, I see what's going on, kind of see what's going on. But I, I, it's, it's weird. I know. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's because I've been doing it too long or whatever it is. But I don't. I'll, I'll get in a car and drive eight hours and never turn the radio on. Do I have to come up with another train song? If you want to, well, I, I mean, because you stole I, I, one of mine. I, 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 I actually, so. I actually uh, recorded a song called "Hellbound Train," which is a cool little song. I, I don't know if I even have a copy of it anymore, but it was a cool <laughs> song. It was from a, from, from a poem uh, uh, called "Hellbound Train." That's all I got. You got another one, Dave? <laughs> Guys are Midnight Train to Georgia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Midnight Train. Jim, Midnight Jim, Jim, Weather, Jim Weatherly wrote that song. Love yeah. that song. The best part is just to go, <laughs> well, I got, I got a story about that. Here we go. Sorry. See, this is why we do the top three picks. Well, it, it generates... No, I'm not kidding, Brad. Brent. What you didn't know is that Brent and I got together before this and came up. I'm teeing him up on some stories. Exactly. I, I yeah, just didn't yeah. tell you about that. So I got to Nashville, Fine. and ASCAP was, would, would pick out about 15 guys, new guys in town, to, to come down to the office uh, once a week for like six weeks. And they would have hit writers in, and we'd play a song for them, and they would talk to us about songwriting. It was a very kind of exclusive group. I met some good writers that I wrote with later on. And Jim Weatherly was, was one of the guys one day, and, and he was talking about that song. Not do it. It was originally wrote it for uh, uh, Lee Majors and Farrah Fawcett Majors. It was Midnight Plane to L.A. Oh, it really? Was really? Version. Yes, Midnight Train to L.A. Plane to L.A. And I don't know if it was Glass Night or her producer called and said, we'd like to do the song, but we'd like to change it because it was to a black audience. Mm-hmm. And they didn't take planes back in those days. Uh, they took the train or a bus. Yeah. That's true. And so I said, we want to change the midnight, midnight Train to Georgia. And he said, of course. Anyway, it was a midnight plane to L.A. for he wrote for Farrah Fawcett, and I guess he was friends with them and Lee Majors, and they changed it and it became a huge damn hit and a cool song. They didn't mm-hmm. sing, huh? Who's that? Farrah Fawcett. No, he's, well, no, he's, he's singing like for the Fall wrote, Guy, the uh, Fall Guy theme. Yeah. Oh, I got it. He, I got no, it. He, he wrote it for them. Brad, Brad. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I was gonna say that's a bad duet. <laughs> But anyway, he, he told that story at the, at the seminar, the little the small seminar we had, and uh, he was—he seemed like a really nice guy. And, cool. Uh, I looked him up recently on the internet. And some of the things he had written, some things I didn't know he had written that were pretty cool songs and stuff. Like that, so. Well, I had a few honor, honorable mentions. Uh, love Train by the OJ's. That's a, that love train, love train. There you go. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, and of course, last train to Clarksville. The the minkies, yeah, yeah. The, minkies. the minkies, and and then I did have Folsom Prison on there, which yeah, I yeah. thought was a great song, great song, great. Well, he's song. got a bunch of songs, hey, Jim Weatherly, yeah. But there's a couple that you you would know immediately that, that they, I, I said, oh, I didn't know you wrote that one. Yeah, the one that jumps out at me is uh, uh, someone else's star. I think Brian White had a hit with mm-hmm. back in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, he's still writing today. Is he? Is he? Yeah. 
Anyway, he's a well-thought-of guy. Well, boys, this has been a lot of fun. It has been. Brent, I cannot thank you enough for coming in. I know you've got your uh, your gig in the morning. I will be the first one there with my scrambled eggs. So uh, Hopefully, I'll be the first one there. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> might, you hope, might show up at I some point. the sound guy is the first guy. Here. Yeah. That's what, at 8 in the morning, that's what I worry about. Will the sound guys show up? Yeah. But I want to thank you for all the years that uh, Brent and I have gone and 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 seen your uh, your shows and some of your songs have great relevance. They seem to have more relevance as we get older. And <laughs> I've, I've, no, I'm not kidding, man. They're 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 wonderful, and uh, I've enjoyed them. And I can't wait. I can't wait to hear the new ones. All right, Bobby Vance. Hey, everybody, be good. We will talk to you later, Brent Burns. Thank you so much, Mr. David Baker. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for having me. And Bobby Vance. Cheers. We Like That Too is produced as a labor of love for the enjoyment of Bon Vivants everywhere. To get information about our bottles and links to our guests, go to our website, welikethatpodcast.com. Tune in to new episodes by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, and other popular streaming apps. Please remember to rate, review, and share. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Like That Podcast. So everybody, hey, remember the numbers. One bottle, two good friends, and three top picks because we We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too.